Hey everybody, welcome to the Ass Man Show, a weekly audio podcast where we interview influencers and talk about sports and sports video games. Burnsy's out this week, missed him with all my heart, be sure to head over on Twitter and talk to him. We have a great interview with Miguel Lozada for you. He is the Senior Partnerships Manager for Elgato Gaming, and he also is the host of a vlog series and podcast called The 52. You can find information about all of that in the show notes, so be sure to check it out. And do us a huge favor by leaving us a five-star review. That helps us get ranked. That helps get more ears on the podcast. I so appreciate you guys, and without further ado, here is the interview. What's up, guys? We have Miguel Lozada here. Um, Miguel, I want to get started right away. Go ahead and talk about who you are, what you do, and kind of what your role is in the Madden community and really the gaming community at large. So uh, my name is Miguel Lozada. A lot of people know me as Gare. I've probably been in the gaming community since about 2004, since after high school. I did a lot of Call of Duty and Madden tournaments then on game battles. I served in the military for four years during that time in 2004, and then thereafter, after completing my four years, I actually went and worked at MLG and Game Battles and did more Madden and Call of Duty stuff, uh, launched my own news website, which was Evil Source Gaming, did that for a few years, got pretty big, started doing marketing consulting on the side within the industry, and then ended up getting hired uh, by Elgato Gaming. Uh, years ago to this date month kind of sort of so um, that's pretty much it Madden I've been a game changer since the start of the program I was one of the first YouTubers to be that guys like shop and doc and everybody like that but um, I was more of a uh, live streamer and I was the only live streamer on so I got picked up uh, probably like five six years ago it was really it's like 2011 2012 so um now these days, I just provide feedback, just like everybody else. Um, I do Madden videos here and there. YouTube is uh, it's been on pause since you know joining Elgato Gaming, and then um, but this year it should be different. I should be hitting it a little bit harder than usual. So yeah, it sounds like you've had kind of quite a journey. So if you had to tell the, I mean, you kind of just gave the brief version of the story, but kind of what was what was the moment where you knew that it was going to be a major part of your life? Kind of, I guess, I guess the story starts kind of after the military so starting from the military what does what does the story look like so in the military everybody played video games and deployments i was in three deployments so video games is just a day everyday life type deal, right so um after you work hard and you know you just want to unwind you would play um, basically what ended up happening with me was um i was going to school at the time after the military i was going to community college and I had a lot of available time, so I started volunteering at Game Battle, doing support tickets, doing competitive stuff. Then they picked me up as an employee, and I worked for MLG a little bit. And um, I think it just dawned on me when I started my own website and started getting a lot of views and a, a lot of traffic. And it started paying for itself fairly quickly, and then it started paying for rent and food, and then it stayed. So then I think it, it was just like a, a big hope that it would be something that I could do and, and then it ended up being, you know, a great way for me to get in the industry and 
job in the industry in the long run. So the news website, you said uh, Evil Source Gaming. Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah. And that was just, at that time, that's that's what year? That was like 2010, 2000, yeah, 2010. So I got out in 2009, 2010, um, probably around uh, the end of the year. Um, and MLG, the forums, I was always dropping news and stuff, and people were always following me, always commenting my forum posts, like, with just news and stuff, stuff that I would just find, like, on areas and uh you know twitter even then but what people wanted was somewhere universal where they could just go so i, I actually started a blog spot and it was just like gator gaming or something that blogspot.com and probably after a month and a half blogspot reached out and said hey you know you can buy your own domain and we'll do your own server and blah blah, blah. you're getting a lot of traffic but you know if you keep growing we won't we'll do it for free because we'll end up you know not being able to load your page as fast to people so that's when I looked into it, made my own domain, and then just kind of sort of went from there at that point. Wow. So it seems like you just kind of were following what you wanted to do. I mean, Twitter is, that's that's early Twitter, 2000, 2008, 2009. It's early Twitter. So you're just following right. what you want to do, and it became, it kind of, I mean, not by accident, but almost like just kind of came a, became a career right under your nose. Yeah, I think... I think a lot of people, there's some luck. Uh, I'll, I'll admit there's some luck, I think, but I think being consistent and I think, like I was posting every day, I was posting like, I think like five or six posts every day on the news site. So then people like Activision got a hold of me. I started getting review copies. EA got a hold of me, started getting review copies. So just being consistent, I think just increases your odds of being lucky, right? So I think yeah. it's, it's, there's a little luck variable there, but I think obviously the work ethic just happened to make you know, things end, ends me and everything happened where I wanted to. I think that's an interesting quote, like, you know, consistently, yeah, kind of consistency creates the luck or whatever. I remember I was watching um, a, a Gary V podcast or listening to a podcast and uh, he had Dr. Lupo on there, who's a, who's a Twitch guy. And um, right. said, well, when you started, it, Gary asked him, when you started, what did you do? And he said, well, I would stream for about 12 hours a day. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my, like, that's why, you know, it's like it almost dawned on me, like, oh, that's what he did that was different. Like, you know. Right. Yeah. It's just being, being, increasing the chances, right? The longer you're streaming, the more videos you put out, the more chances you get of being lucky at that point, realistically. Right. So, so you have this news site and then um, you're running that news site when this company called Elgato reaches out to you. Now, what was Elgato at the time? And then I know there are some of our listeners who kind of come from outside of the gaming world. So what was it then? And then kind of what, what is it now? So Gato was interesting. Um, in 2012, they came onto the gaming scene with their first capture card. I was actually one of the first reviewers along with like IGN and other big sites. I got a review unit and this thing sounded too good to be true. Their press release said something like, a capture card the size of a deck of a cards or something, right? And I'm like, there's no way, right? I had a PVR. This thing is huge. Um, you know, there's no way that, you know, this thing can do 1080, 30 frames a second or 720, 60 frames a second, you know, being this small. So I was like, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So I, before even being approached for a job, um, around 2012, I had started actually just doing side jobs for companies on marketing, consulting and stuff throughout the industry. Uh, from Activision to EA to 
astro gaming to scuff gaming just kind of sort of just giving consulting and stuff just from like a user standpoint and a professional everyday user type deal so just kind of went there and um i think uh they had uh just offered me the job and i gave back some feedback on what i was doing and then they came back with a you know a good counter and we we settled there um it was just kind of sort of a time in my life where um, I had already been to like so many E3s and the site was doing so well. I didn't grow. So I felt like that was the next step for me in the industry was like to become a industry professional, so to speak. Right. Right. So you take this job at Elgato. Uh, what was your job title and has that really changed in the in-between? So I started just as a partnerships manager and then a year and a half later, I got promoted to senior partnerships manager. Uh, basically, the only big difference for me was I went from just best-based only partners and influencers and kind of sort of a little bit like in Europe um, from that to manning all U.S. influencers, all big global influencers. Um, so like relationships we have like uh, bigger influencers, you know, have millions of subscribers are the ones I usually handle. And then also relationships with like EA or Activision, I handle as well, because I already have those relationships with those companies. And, uh, and then I also manage a team of four guys. So that's, that's the difference between when I started and now. All right. So what is a typical, what does a typical week look like for you guys in terms of, um, you know, so, so let's talk about like using, I mean, Using an example, without needing to go too deep into whether or not you guys have actually worked with this person, somebody like Ninja comes on the scene and starts garnering some influence, or or some. I'm not saying him necessarily, but someone like him. right. Like, what is that? What does that look like for you guys? And then, what is what is the maintenance side of it look like after you guys have acquired talent, for lack so, of a word? So it, it's it's pretty much case by case. Everybody's different. Everybody's communities are different. Everybody's viewership is different. Everybody reacts to things differently, right? So um, for us, just influencers, uh, Ninja even, um, I had spotted him uh, well before he actually blew up. Um, he, I mean, he wasn't small at the time, but it was before Fortnite. Um, and uh, we actually sent him a stream deck and stuff and... Um, you know, we kind of sort of keep an eye out on people that just have the work ethic that just fit certain targets we have at the time. Right. And of course, as you know, it, that can change all the time. Right. Right now we could be looking at Call of Duty guys and a month from now we're looking at technical review guys because we have a new product out. Right. So it all varies. And then also the influencer side varies as well. Right. We have some guys that have amazing communities that don't like sponsorships and then there's some that they love it right so we try to most of the time we kind of sort of put it on the table with the influencer like hey what are you comfortable doing what have you done what makes sense go from there right um we just want to live naturally authentically with people when we do sponsorships or partnerships because we do naturally in the workspace right like a capture card isn't like something big in the way right if you have the internal you never see it again after you put it in your pc you have the external, you never really touch it again um, unless it, you know, decides to stop working. Um, but that really happened. So, you know, a lot of people even forget we're even part of their workflow when, when it comes to it, right? Right. Uh, we just want to be seamless, right? Just like an Xbox, you plug that in or PlayStation 4 and you plug in your Elgato and that's it. 
that's what you expect to do, right? You just plug it in and that's the extent of it for you. Um, so for even our partnerships, we're pretty much that way as well. Um, we have a lot of people that are partnering. A lot of people don't even know sometimes because they're not pushing it 24-7. They push it at the right times. Um, you know, like when they're streaming with their new product or they're testing out something new of ours, which is great. That's what we want. We want an authentic feel versus more of a pushy salesy thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now, you guys seem to have, um, when I first came into contact with Elgato, it was just capture cards and that that was pretty much all I was aware of that you guys are making. And this is three, four years ago now. And I think over the last two years, you guys have started to kind of target. It seems like the whole suite of what someone uses when they're streaming. Um, does that represent a change in the vision of the company or kind of a, um, what was kind of the motivation behind that? What are you guys going for there? So our main mission statement or motto i guess you could say is always evolve your content or you know empowering content creators and um throughout the years that's something we've always wanted to do and through capture cards we've been able to do it you know seamlessly for the past you know five six years um six years now so you know two years ago prior to two years ago probably three years ago we started thinking of like what are other things people use that we can help or how can we you know, better somebody's workflow or making videos, just overall, just kind of sort of trying to see uh, what, how we could better ourselves in a position to where we are actually helping somebody's content be better. Um, so it's all about content. Um, and for us, it's just branch out of capture cards is more just to add to it. We see it like an addition, like accessories, you would mm -hmm. say. You know, Stream Deck is one where you just, you're very streaming, you already have a capture card, or you could not be using a capture card, but it's a great tool that you can use on top of, right, of using a capture card or just streaming in general. Green screen's another one. A lot of people had issues with it, too big, etc. So this one, you know, is a solution that we, we thought. Um, Cam Link is another one that's great, you know, turns any DSLR camera that has HDMI out and fits certain specs into a webcam for you just by making it a USB webcam. And that just ups your quality, right? Versus Logitech's, you know, webcam. Yeah, I've noticed that. And um, we've actually found that um, we've started to use, so my main job is I'm a pastor full-time and I do the gaming stuff on the side, but I've found that some of the, some of the equipment helps us on like a tech perspective. So we own an Elgato green screen that we will use for stuff like directory photos just because we can pop it up, you know, snap a picture, pop it back down and throw it in a closet. Um, opposed right. to our full-blown our full blown studio setup, which takes 45 minutes to set up. Right, right. And, and it's crazy. We've seen people use, you know, Cam Link and Stream Deck for different purposes as well, besides gaming, which is pretty cool, right? We've seen people use Stream Deck to play Tony in and then there's been other cases where other companies and industries have been using our stream deck in their workflow, which is pretty cool. So it's kind of sort of, we try to just create something simple and, you know, useful and efficient. Right. So that's, that's our goal with every product. Absolutely. So when you talk about what you guys are doing now, talk a little about how that interfaces with kind of the gaming community. And then, um, after that, if we could talk a little bit about like uh, what you're doing now with the 52 and stuff like that. So what is kind of um, 
I mean, we kind of already talked about what you are kind of doing day to day. So let's talk, let's do the 52. You've started recording a podcast this year. You actually do it right here on Anchor. Um, talk about that experience. What led you to decide to create a podcast? Um, and, you know, what are you hoping to gain from that experience? It's, it's really just to hold myself more accountable. Um, I've been struggling for the past couple of years on YouTube and just content creating. I kind of sort of let it take a back burner. And when I, when I do have time to think about it, it kind of sort of bothers me that I let it go. Um, you know, it's kind of sort of like a snowball effect when it comes to these things. And with me, I'll go a month with streaming and videos and then I'll just get burnt out and I'll stop. So this is kind of sort of the 52 is a challenge for myself as a podcast because it's out of my space, um, something new. So it's making me learn how to do something different, learn how to evolve my content, how I do things. And I'm also tying it in with a 52 vlog series on the YouTube channel. So it's kind of sort of just a challenge for myself. And what I hope that I see is from if I look at the very first four or five episodes, which I've just done. And I look next year at the last, you know, episode 50, 51, 52, I hope I see a difference in the content and what I do and how I'm doing it. You know, hopefully I, I'm trying to take time, you know, a few minutes here and there and I watch YouTube videos on how to do better editing on videos and vlogs. So I'm trying to learn, you know, I also got drones, so I'm trying to learn how to, you know, fly those a little bit better and get those cool scenes and shots. So um, I hope that in the year long process, um, it, it just pays off to where I'm just better, uh, noticeably better. And it's something I'd be proud of. Right. And creatively and just everything overall. And it, it's kind of sort of also, you know, has some personal ties to it. Um, you know, I, I want to buy for my, for my family. So that's something we're doing this year together as a family. So it's kind of sort of just like an overall thing, um, you know, with a whole bunch of personal things. So it's kind of sort of just setting goals down and I'm really, goal oriented so for it to be something where i'm held accountable and then also publicly i think my very 52 on the youtube i just i just i was too busy and, and i i had to force myself to do a very bad video and it, it's something that you know when i do get lazy now i look back at it and it's only like three or four episodes ago it drives me to like all right i can't do this again like i, I need to build upon last week's so i need to do better than last week's so I, I need to get a little bit creative, do something different, right? So uh, it's just something that I hope that just helps me, you know, grow creatively, professionally, personally, just overall, just like a growing experience. And then the 52 is kind of sort of a way for people to hear about it, hear about things, and then also, you know, grow with me during the process. Awesome, man. And we'll, uh, we'll include a link to that in the show notes so that people can check that out, hop over there, give a five-star review um and and just give that a download uh to help that out let's talk a little about you work with influencers and and i think there's an interesting thing i've observed the madden community but i think this is true across the gaming community um there seems to be a disconnect on how people think it works and how it actually works and what i mean is that i think there's an expectation that it should be easier than it is and um and I don't know where that expectation comes from because doing exactly what you want in life should be difficult. Um, but right. sorry, what's up? No, no, you're right. I was agreeing. So talk, talk a little about that, what you see kind of in the influencer space. And um, if, you, if there's somebody listening to this who maybe is saying, 
well, I just watched, uh, you know, the Madden beta just, just ended this week. And they said, oh, well, I should have beta access because I can get better feedback. And, and all those guys have is, you know, 1,500 followers, 2,000, 62,000, you know, however many followers. And um, I, I've actually seen people write things like, well, they'll never – I saw this during the beta process. They'll never hear my feedback because those guys have already built audiences and I can't build an audience because they've built an audience was, was something along the line. So speak to what you see in that sense because my, my perspective is probably a 1,000 feet and yours is probably more like 60,000. So uh, give a little bit of perspective of that. And, and if you had a chance to speak to kind of all young influencers, what would you say to them? I think the biggest thing right now with, with anybody is the social media gives people a sense of entitlement where they feel like they're entitled for their opinion to be valued so high. I'm not saying that's not, but I feel the fact that that kind of mindset's out there, a lot of people want it, expect it to be easier than it should, right? Um, so when it comes to, you know, just influencers, um, thinking about, you know, oh, I'm not being heard or this person or that. I always tell people, don't worry about what they're doing. Figure out why them and not you at that point. Like, what are they doing that's different from you? At this point, you're complaining and they're not. Maybe that's the biggest issue. Um, maybe something about something simple, like maybe they give feedback publicly every Monday. I know some guys that have a schedule when they get feedback, right? So, you know, they they purposely play they play a game or do something and then they write notes throughout the weekend and Monday they post out, you know, hey, there's, you know, the C route is broken because of this, 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 and they post some videos. And while other people just do it randomly and emotionally, so then at that point it becomes more complaining and being super vocal versus really giving yourself the time to, and I think this is key right here, is if you have a problem, why don't you voice the solution at the same time? Um, you know, there's everybody can point out a problem, but it's the person that decides to say, hey, I have this, you know, I have this vision on how this can be fixed easily, then, you know, it could change how people see your opinion at that point. Because anybody can say, oh, look, the house is burning down. Now, somebody goes, hey, could you grab all these water hoses from the houses next to them and start spraying it and then getting buckets and then opening that up? Okay a plan everybody can see this is an issue but the guy that you know separates himself just does a little bit more just thinks fully about you know the process or what's going on or the situation so i think the biggest two things right now is you know if you're an influencer of any size um, don't worry about your size worry about how you give opinions and worry about how you present it this could be via video, you could, this could be via podcast, it could be via an email, but it should be organized out and professional in some sort, right? So I think that's the thing. I think, well, I tweeted out this is a problem, or I always do this on Twitter, and I'm never going to become a game changer, or I'm never going to do the event, whatever the case may be. If you're worried about why other people are, you probably just need to reflect upon yourself on what they're maybe doing that's a little bit different than you and how you could better yourself at that point. So that's my train of thought on it. And this goes like industry wide, like this is not even established or like tied to my job personally. Um, this is just something I see, you know, industry wide. I talk about it in some of my podcast episodes, but you know, like certain things like emails or how you communicate or first impressions or 
different various things can actually separate certain people. So that's, I think, that what a lot of people don't realize is that they feel like, oh, because I have Twitter and I can speak my opinion, it should be valued as higher than anybody else or as high as somebody else. But it's not necessarily true. It tweets about a problem in Madden and just complains about it. And then somebody else tweets about it, but also tweets a solution. They're probably going to get heard out a little bit better because they actually gave a full thought process complaining. So I think that wraps it up. I think I covered all the bases of that question. That's a really good thought. No, I, I think that's good. And, and the idea that, well, my opinion should be valued. I, I don't think people think often enough. One thing that being around a guy like Zan has helped me with is he, um, he talked about face catching once and he released a video and he said like, here's what face catching meant in 2008. Here's what face catching meant in 2009. Here's what, and he said, that's why when you tweeted a dev about this made up slang term for something, they have no idea what you're talking about, you know? And right. uh, I, I think that's super valuable because, you know, you live in your own world, but they live in a world where they're bombarded by feedback, you know? Um, and it's it's they be asking yourself a question of how can I how can I bring value you know so if somebody's coming to you asking for um, a capture card or somebody's coming to you asking for a stream deck well why would I why would I give you one like you know what I mean like what is what is helpful for Elgato or what is helpful for you know me specifically that I can point to as a value prop for um, for that sponsorship. Right. Um, was that a question? I don't know if it was a question. I, I was, <laughs> was going to let you talk about it, but yeah, we got no, right, right. No, no. So, so I, it, it's to me, like um, when it comes to anything, when it comes to like whenever you want to ask for anything or you ever want, like, again, going back to complaining, um, I feel like you have to cover all the bases, you know, and, and, and pitch it fully, if that makes sense. Um, I feel like something I used to always not necessarily live by, but always tell myself was um, you're marketing yourself 24 seven. So what that means is you don't ever know who's listening, right? Because you could actually, I could tweet you about something, right? I'd be like, Hey man, did you notice that this set is broken on this is how they could fix it? And just because you use the word mutt, somebody could be looking at tweet deck and looking at all those tweets. And they might say like, wow, this guy, Find a problem, find a solution. Let's follow him and talk to him more. Maybe he could become a game changer. It happens right. just like that. It's not even the direct feedback. It's just the people that are just doing it openly, willingly, they're going to get found out. Because most of the time, when somebody's doing it direct and pushing and pushing and pushing, they, they probably have like their own incentives, right? Or their own, oh, I want to become a game changer, which is great. But it's probably not the way to go about it. Just do it because you want to, you know, provide feedback, do things because you want them things would fall in place um you know same thing with like any any type of product request um for myself personally what i've always done is um just covered all the aspects like you you gave some you what is in it for elgato what's in it for me what's in it blah blah cover all those bases basically what i tell anybody is pretend somebody's asking what are you going to ask them and answer all those questions in your request because that's what the person is going to be thinking Cause that's that's just human nature right like right. You know, if ask like call of duty and you're just hey man i have 100k subs can i get call of duty early 
the guy's going to say, why would I send it to you to even do gameplays? What would you do with it? Blah, blah, cover all those questions. If you write him, hey, I would love an early copy of Call of Duty or even Madden for instance, right, of Madden because I, you know, I, I do this series, I do this, I do that. I would love time to prep, love time to, you know, get video, time to provide for feedback, blah, blah, blah. And they might be like, okay, well, this guy really has, like, a real one, right, versus, um, oh, to it because I have, you know, 10K, 100K, a million subs, right? So, right. Um, right. I think that, 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 that's, that's what a lot of people have to realize is um, try to always think like a step ahead or try, try to do something doing things they sound super simple right like it's like wow yeah of course why wouldn't i do that a lot of people just don't do it anywhere in the industry right so that's what separates a lot of people as well um guys that get you know talked about oh i don't know why they're a game changer or this or that um it just might be the way they present themselves present issues they're organized they they have thoughts they they have educated thoughts or whatever the case may be and then they present it in a way where it's understandable and there's a solution to a problem and stuff like that. So um, it's very simple little things that can separate people, right? Um, versus, you know, just screaming about it or just asking simple questions or requests or complaining about things. Right. And you've said before, something is simple. By the way, I'm sorry about that half question. I, I, I'm a little spaced out today. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. I was like, I'm pretty sure that. I don't even make sure before I sign off. <laughs> so right. It's all good. Right. And uh, oddly, I found if I've learned anything from this podcast, it's like interviewing is like weirdly slightly more difficult than you would think. Um, and it's like just being able to ask compelling questions and while not being annoying is uh, is a learned skill. And you would think I, like you just know. I would be 100% honest. It's always easier to be the interviewee than the interviewer. I, okay. I've been on both sides and it's always easier. Because thinking of questions and then trying to keep the conversation going is way more harder than just being like, oh, okay, this is what I got to talk about now. Cool. Here. Sure. Right. I'll talk about it. It's different. But yeah, mad props to you. But keep going. Yeah. You've talked in tweets before about like something as simple as spelling the name of your company, right? Like I, I think I think you put a tweet out once that's like, it's Elgato, not L space Gato. And um, so, so talk a little about like, what's the value of, if I'm coming to you asking for something, the value of research of what you value and if you have some type of story of somebody who came to you and said like hey miguel i knew you were looking for this here's how i can deliver on what you're looking for is anything like that ever happened uh i was on top of my head um i think um a lot of people have their own ways to do it so nobody's i i've always i'm waiting for the one person that does thing a certain way i would always expect i've done things and i think that's as a news site versus a lot of YouTubers. But um, I feel like just being, and it's, I think we're, we, we convenience and that it promotes laziness, right? Mm. And what happens with that, you just, you get complacent and then complacent leads to even more laziness, right? So like simple things, like you said, like spelling Elgato, um, yeah, if somebody, somebody pitches me, you know, asks me, hey, can I have an Elgato? You know, I need a new capture card, and Elgato is supposedly the best. And it's spelled wrong. I, it makes me cringe because at that point, are you just asking for a free product? 
or are you really interested in our product overall? So um, obviously, you know, we had the conversation a little bit deeper. I do like little passive, I don't want to say passive aggressive, like I'll like write Elgato and then I'll put it in bold correctly. So like then so, and like, oh, then they fix it the next time they write it. Um, and to me, that's just kind of sort of like, um, like you said, research and just know, talk about, you know, what you what you want and stuff. Um, it, it's, you know, and but there's some other people that surprise me things I've never thought of. Um, there's a guy out there, Darkness. Uh, he's moved all on from Twitch to Facebook. But he, when I first talked to him, had an impressive deck about uh, all his stats and everything. And this is some companies and stuff, but he was just an influencer. He was way small at the time. But he had everything from how many views he averages, from uh, his reach on Twitter, his reach on Facebook, his reach on Twitch, what he what he averages on Friday, what he averages on the weekend for viewership, what he's before, like a full on presentation of him and how he can help you, what's his reach and what he's willing to do for you. That was pretty, that, that, that's something that I've always you know, thought of like, wow, that's pretty impressive. I've seen, you know, uh, presentation decks like that from companies, but from him, I think from him, that was something he was really advancing. And I think it's, you know, something that obviously separates him, right, um, from a lot of people when it comes to, you know, working with companies and stuff. Because, like I said, if you look organized and you have your stuff together, people respect that, and that, you know, leads to more fruitful things in the long run, so. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's great. And I think just trying to figure out, how, again, how can I stand out in kind of a sea of information? And, um, yeah, man, well, that is great. I, I'm excited about the 52 and uh, kind of following it through the year hearing about what you're going to do. And I love that you're kind of dropping advice like this, because I think there are, we're kind of in this new space of, of influencer marketing and influencer and like people just need to know how to navigate it and how to do it in a way that is respectful and, and, and is going to lead to the things that, you know, they want, they want to lead to, if you will. Um, right. Before we before we go ahead and close up, is there other than the fifty two? Is there something kind of you're working on right now, or um, uh, or in the Madden community, what what you're going to be doing this year? Um, and then, oh, I forgot about that completely. Um, what are you looking forward to as we go into a new year of Madden? Um, obviously, you might be running up against some NDA stuff, so I'm not asking you to get in trouble. But um, <laughs> anything you right. you're excited about. Uh, you, you know, for, for Madden, I'm excited to see uh, the progression of Madden. Um, to to be honest, I, I, I've been pitching this for probably like three years to EA, but I have a really strong feeling that Ultimate Team should just be its own game slash mode separated from the game that you buy that 60 bucks. And my justification is Madden Mobile is free and you get to play with those players and you get to do everything for free. And that's fruitful for them. And I think if they put that to the Madden, to the, to the console side, I think it would give them more resources. Basically, you would have to split the team in two, right? Like, there would be, like, a Madden ultimate team, dev team, and then a Madden, you know, actual game team. And, and I feel like, um, you know, the recent long shot, you know, mode has, has opened up a door for, like, a more intuitive single-player storytelling type thing. And then the improvements that they're talking about in CFM are promising as well. Um, I'm just hoping to see it grow and hopefully turn into something 
what I always hope it would be. And again, that's, you know, I'm a big ultimate team fan. Um, I've spent thousands of dollars every year on that mode. Um, but I honestly feel like a lot of people probably spend more money if the game mode was just for free. Um, and that's just, you know, following, you know, take a look at Fortnite and league leagues of legends and all those other games that are for free. Right. And what happens with them, like even like other mobile games, they, they absolutely. Yeah. Revenue portion because when you don't pay for something five bucks here five bucks there it doesn't seem that much but over a year they go from either spending 60 bucks once and opening maybe one hundred dollar bundle to spending 400 bucks because they did five bucks here 10 bucks there they really didn't see it as a bigger investment right when you're playing a console game you're like man i already spent 60 bucks on this now i gotta spend another hundred bucks to get a better team oh and next month i gotta spend another hundred bucks to do this promo you know, a lot of people might see it a little bit differently. Um, but, you know, I'm excited to see the direction it's going. I'm excited that Longshot's back. Um, I'm excited that, you know, they have a little more gameplay they said that's going to be a part of it. And then we're excited for, you know, to see what they bring to CFM and stuff. Um, like I said, though, I feel like, um, you know, Ultimate Team right now is heading towards the way of Madden Mobile, which is great. Um, and I just wish it was fully separate from the game. I feel like that would really, really make both of the communities a little bit happy because, you know, the ultimate team community and then the CFM and then other, I guess, other Madden players um, would be, would be focused on a little bit more directly. Um, and then both, you know, would get the right attention if that made sense. Um, but yeah, so Madden 19, um, I don't feel like it's a make or break year. Like it is, I was going to say for FIFA, I feel like FIFA had a really big problem i've noticed just by numbers and viewership and stuff like that i feel like this year they really have to turn around i think madden still has some life left but i feel like you know they don't show or you know give a good response to things to the community they might be in the same boat as fifa this year so um again though the biggest thing to take away from that though is that's just my opinion and then a hundred other people's opinions could be that the game sucks but then you also have to realize that there's 10,000 people that are still buying the game, playing it, and buying packs, right? So um, I think the most negative – So what, what I always tell people is that the most negative opinions are the ones that are loudest. If you think about it, Yelp has been out forever, and a lot of people use Yelp. But if you actually ask people how many views, reviews they've left on Yelp, it's pretty minimum. I actually just started it myself recently because I've been using it for years. But I go, man, I never leave a good review. I only leave bad reviews when something bad happens, right? So, you know, that made me realize, like, all right, I got to leave some good reviews to, like, places I like to help them out, right? Like, okay, I love this, you know, this restaurant. Let me leave them a five-star review. I've never had a problem. You know, this will help. And that actually helps them as well, right? With a better rating on Yelp, more chances somebody new might come by. So, right. Um, it was willing to take the time to write something, you know, to complain about something. But, you know, it's also... You know, you don't really see that many people, even like if you think about just everyday life, like, hey, man, good job. Or, hey, really cool. You know, oh, hey, that was really nice of you. A lot of people don't even do that, you know, in everyday life. So, right. Um, I think that's that's something to take away. You know, a lot of people could be complaining about the game, but, you know, numbers show differently. And then I guess as a company, right, for profit, you really don't have nothing to worry about if your profit's still going up, even though people are complaining. So. Um, so we shall see. And then the other part was about any projects. Um, I have a lot of projects I have lined up for the year. Um, I, I, I don't want to give too much, but a lot of them are revolved around 
just giving back to community. I have a pretty cool concept that I'm working out with some companies right now uh, that should be pretty cool for people that want to be streamers or influencers or just gamers themselves. Um, and um, that's pretty much all I could say about it. But yeah, I have some projects. Um, of course, recently Elgato Gaming got acquired by Corsair. So that's fun times for us there as well as, you know, it opens up some new doors and opportunities for us when it comes to products as Elgato Gaming as a brand. And uh, we'll see what the future holds with that. But pretty much just um, trying to get the 52 going, um, you know, seeing how that goes and then adding um, and that's, you know, that's supposed to be a ripple effect from the 52. It's supposed to get me to actually start publishing uh, a whole bunch of, you know, things I wanted to do in projects. Last year, I wanted to do, you know, Wade going to Arizona after Carson Palmer got injured. And, and I actually started the videos, but I never edited them or published them. Um, you know, same thing with NBA Live. So I have a lot of YouTube series ideas, and I feel like the 52 is going to help me be accountable and kind of sort of pushed me to push those throughout the week before I release every episode on Friday. So, um, so yeah, so that's pretty much it for me in the future. I can't believe I forgot to ask this one. Uh, who are your pro sports teams and uh, what are you excited about with them right now? And you don't have to do all four or five or however many, but what are the two that are, right. two or three that are the most exciting to you and what are you looking for? Two or three, so so Dodgers, uh, like Dodgers, love the Dodgers. Um, you know they're 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 getting better. It was a rough start, but they're getting better. Uh, we'll see what we do before the trade deadline. Um, so we'll see how that thing goes. Um, for basketball, it's it's a weird position for me. Um, I've always been a Phoenix Suns fan because I love Steve Nash, and I was actually in the Phoenix area during my high school time. So you know I got to see you know him and Stoudemire and uh, you know that high-performing team and winning team. Um, you just can never do anything else. Uh, but once I moved away from Phoenix, I, I kind of sort of just loved the sport of basketball and just rooted for local teams. So I, I moved to L.A. And uh, it's been, you know, I, I basically go to both games when it comes to Clippers and Lakers, uh, whichever one's a cheaper that day or week that I want to go to. Uh, but obviously LeBron coming to L.A. is pretty big. Right. Uh, prices are insane. I probably won't go see that many games for the Lakers. But um, it's 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 pretty exciting on that front. And then football, I, I've always been an Arizona fan. Um, yeah, I've always been a Fitzgerald fan, but honestly, I feel like his time is coming up pretty soon. I don't know if I'll stay stick around too long. Um, I know it sounds horrible, but uh, it's, you know, David Johnson is a good player. I like him. I like uh, Patrick Peterson. Uh, Matthew was a favorite player, but he went to Texas, so that, that hurt a little bit. Um, and then down here, um, we went to the first L.A. Rams preseason and first NFL game. So, um, you know, I, I think Ben's going to be a Rams fan, and that, that'll be interesting as well. So I kind of sort of just support local teams while, you know, liking the teams that I liked when I was younger, if that makes sense. So, Yeah, I've always – I've lived a couple different places, and I always found it really hard to not at least get a little caught up in, like, whoever the local squad was. So I lived in Pittsburgh for two years, and – I went to Pirates games, I went to Steelers games, you know, and like, I mean, I'm a Philadelphia through and through, but, you know, that doesn't mean I just... It's just hard. If you, if you love sports, it's hard to avoid that much when it's right. local, because it's so accessible, right? Like, like I like soccer, and I never went to an MLS game, so I lived in LA. I was like, oh, Galaxy, I, I have to go, I have to go. Like, it, it's just there. Like, I'm not, I'm not a Galaxy fan, but... It's there, so I might as well, you know, go enjoy it. So yeah, no, I totally agree. It's 
it's, Oddly it's, enough, it's the different. Union Stadium is crazy close to me, and like, um, and I've heard it's like beautiful. I've heard it's a really good fan experience, but I've just never made it out. But maybe I should. <laughs> you should. I, I think. I think going to like like I'm not a Red Sox fan, but Paxi's go to Red Sox games just to experience the stadium, experience the, you know the crowd, the team, just just for the experience, right? So that, that's that's always something cool to do and share, obviously, right? So. Yeah, it's funny that you feel good about LeBron going to LA because I've been throwing like about a six day Twitter fit about uh yeah about it. I really wanted him to come to Philadelphia, no matter how unrealistic it was. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a pretty big long shot. Um, I I felt like once the season's over, I kind of felt like I knew who was coming to LA, and the only main reason is marketing, right? Like him coming to LA sets him up after right. the NBA, realistically, than anywhere else. You know, there's a market out here. So, you know, um, so, yeah, so it wasn't too big of a surprise. Um, it was just a, a surprise that he did it uh, the way he did. Um, I figured he would have just told them. He, well, he told he opted out Friday and then I figured he would just announce it. But he dragged. Yeah, I was glad bit, it so. didn't go into like um, Wednesday. Like, I'm glad it was wrapped up midday on Sunday or it was, you know, right. I can't believe about PG thirteen not coming though. That that to me is Yeah, that's shocking, that was so. that was pretty crazy. But, I, I, I expected him to, you know, and then the fact that it looks like they're gonna roll him out there with a pretty pretty bad squad. I mean, I uh, I don't really I don't totally get it. But uh hey man, well it was really enjoyable having you. Uh where can people connect with you on Twitter if they wanna do so? Say hi. Yeah, so Twitter it's at Miguel underscore Gator, and uh, I'm usually accessible there. If if you happen to see my timeline and there's a tweet recently that has a lot of replies, it's probably not the best time to tweet me because there's sometimes where my mentions are just out of control. So, but most of the time I get back to everybody in due time. I actually I make it a point to like end of my day if I'm laying in bed just chilling. I, I pull it out, I look at my mentions, and I make sure I, I reply to anybody that needed a reply. Yeah, I appreciate so. you making making time for this. This isn't necessarily like we're not jamming out a bunch of listens or anything like that so it really means a lot for me for, to me for you to hop on man i appreciate it no i i love what you're doing i love those farrells episode you guys had and uh keep going at it man i think this is a, a good thing from madden hopefully we can get some devs on a few times before and after launch and just kind of sort of get some more information right i think i think podcasting is a great not new platform but a great up upcoming platform uh versus you know youtube and stuff because uh it's super convenient right like you just play it on your iphone you could be driving you could be working you know um obviously you do that with youtube but sometimes youtube just relies right. on visuals so i, I think right. i think i think ask madden is a great thing and i think it'll be a good thing for the community for everybody to support it and just kind of push it and see 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 where it goes right um you know maybe it'll be Come part of a CFM, part of Pantheon, right? Yeah, something like that. No, it's it's interesting because like (laughs) I've gotten into podcasting personally, and it's like like listening to them, and it's crazy because I didn't think I hated radio, like, and I never would have said I did. And then I listened to podcasts pretty much exclusively for like a month, and I went back to like like around the Super Bowl, I went back to listening to like local Philly radio because like I was you know for because the Eagles were about to win the Super Bowl. And I hated it. Like, I was like, oh, my goodness, this format is just, it's, it's unlistenable. Like, you know, <laughs> and then. 
yeah it's it's different it's a different thing right like radio and podcasting i feel like podcasting podcasting is more personable and you know radio is just like very generic and stale yeah just very like today's topic is uh what was the will kane the other day did it and i'm not hating on him like hey this is sports radio is his job but his topic was what are the top brands in sports and how does LeBron joining the Lakers affect that ranking? So Cowboys, Yankees, Lakers, like the top brands in sports. And it was just like, it was like a five minute conversation that he stretched out over, I think three or four hours. And I'm like, listening to it. And I'm like, this is just really boring. <laughs> a lot of repetitiveness. Yeah. So I think, and something I've learned is like certain, co- certain topics, if it's five, three five six minutes long great if it's you know a long extensive interview hour great if it's a really detailed you know core topic 10 15 20 minutes great so i think it's more structured a little bit better right and then also you know you know what you're getting into before you tune in right absolutely all right man well that pretty much wraps it up i really appreciate your time and uh yeah we'll be connecting with you and um we'll have this out in the next day or so here all right man you have a good one thank you for having me on all right you as well see you that's it.